facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Welcome to the program. Today is one of my favorite days of the entire year. It's December the 12th. It's the feast day of Our Lady of Guadalupe, the patroness of the Americas and the star of the new evangelization. Why don't you call in right now? I'd love to hear about what Our Lady of Guadalupe means to you. Have you been there? Have you seen the Tilma of Juan Diego in Mexico City? Tell me about it. 888 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. our studio line sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters Life Insurance. And again, you can also email the program. The address is kale at relevantradio.com, C-A-L-E at relevantradio.com. And you can find me on the X app, which is really the only social media I'm active on right now, at Kale Clark, C-A-L-E, Clark with an E. I want to tell you a little bit about the history of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And as I promised in some of the social promos that we had for this episode, the beautiful image that was put together by Miranda Cineceros of Juan Diego showing his tilma with the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe emblazoned on it to Bishop Zumaraga. It's just an incredible, incredible story. And it is a true story. We're going to be talking about some of the secrets in the tilma of Our Lady of Guadalupe. What, in fact, do these things mean? Why did Mary appear the way she did? What is with her dress? Why is there an angel at the bottom? These things mean more than you might think. And we're going to break that down for you in just a couple of minutes. And also, of course, as we're deep into Advent now, we're about halfway through, just ah, almost almost there, almost at Christmas. And I think for a lot of people, the excitement is ramping up, but also the stress. We're going to be talking about, we're going to be getting really practical here, talking about how holiday stress, and really holiday means holy day. <laughs> These are holy days for us, but they can also be very stressful days for us. And what that does to our bodies, why we need to be aware of it, and what can we actually do about it? We're going to get really practical about that as well later on. The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888-914-9149. Patrick Alog is standing by to take your phone calls. Love to get you on the program, talk about Our Lady of Guadalupe and I just want to set the stage. I just think in God's providence, there is nothing that is left to chance. And in the 15th and the 16th centuries, the native peoples of Mexico City, they, they were really suffering a great deal before Our Lady of Guadalupe appeared. And Matt Leonard, who uh, wrote about this for the St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology, he talked about how they were suffering conquest not only by the Aztecs, but also by the Spanish conquistadors. And it was the custom of the Aztecs. And as he relates, it's very well laid out in Mel Gibson's movie, Apocalypto. Now, Gibson's movie wasn't about the Aztecs. It was about the Mayans, but they did a lot of the same stuff, including having human victims of sacrifice. And what the Aztecs would do is they would take conquered peoples and they would offer them as human sacrifices to the snake god, Quetzalcoatl. And don't ask me how to spell that. I would need to buy you a lot of vowels uh, to be able to spell that word. But you might have heard about this, this evil snake god and, and the human sacrifices that were made by the Aztecs. And by their own records, more than a quarter of a million people were killed in these sacrifices every single year. And in fact, when the Aztecs dedicated one temple, just one, they would have a four-day celebration in order to do that, and they would slaughter 
more than 80,000 men and women, according to Leonard. That's unbelievable. And as you can well see, the peoples of Mexico City, the, the native peoples of Mexico City, were living a life in constant fear and terror, natural and supernatural terror, because all of this idolatry that was being practiced at the time kept them trapped. And, and they were very, very resistant to the Franciscan Christian missionaries, the Catholic missionaries that were sent there. And really, the missionaries had absolutely no luck, despite the fact that some of their best and brightest were sent to the New World. But then everything changed almost overnight in the year 1531, when the Blessed Virgin Mary appeared to a peasant man named St. Juan Diego, and we just celebrated his feast day on December the 9th. And most of you guys know the rest of the story, what happened after that. And uh, my friend and a uh, great friend of the program, uh, guest host of the program from time to time, Jim Burnham, uh, he's written a lot about how Our Lady of Guadalupe has really actually, when you look at the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe and, you, and, and the, the way that she revealed herself to Juan Diego, it actually corroborates all four of the Marian dogmas that you have to believe in order to be a Catholic. Now, what's interesting is that you don't have to believe in Our Lady of Guadalupe to be a Catholic because it is ultimately a private revelation. It's not part of the public revelation of the Church, but it is an approved uh, Marian event, and there's some physical evidence left behind. Of course, the Tilma, the famous Tilma, and I'll talk about that later on in the program. You're listening to The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888-914-9149. I wonder if you've actually seen the Tilma in person. I have not actually been there at the Basilica, and apparently on this day, according to some people, almost three million pilgrims will come there to see the Tilma on this day. So you might want to go the day before or the day after. Uh, obviously, they want to celebrate on the actual feast day of Our Lady of Guadalupe, but it, it is one of the most visited shrines. I think it's, I believe it's only second to the Vatican. You can correct me on that if I'm wrong. Uh, in terms of pilgrimage sites all around the world uh, to see the famous tome of Our Lady of Guadalupe. But when she appeared in 1531, as I said, she corroborates all four of the Marian dogmas, the truths that you have to believe about Mary to be Catholic. First of all, she appears to St. Juan Diego in a body. This, of course, echoes the assumption of Mary that she was taken up into heaven, body and soul, at the end of her earthly journey. Now, the church was very careful when defining the assumption not to say whether or not Mary actually died, because theologians have differed on this uh, throughout the centuries. So the assumption is there. She's in a body. She's not a spirit. She's not ethereal. She called herself, in speaking to Juan Diego, ever-virgin and also mother of God. And, and by the way, you might know that the name Guadalupe kind of has a double meaning. It can mean she who is without stain, and it can also mean she who crushes the stone serpent. Now, both of those things really play into the doctrine of the Immaculate Conception, which we just, of course, commemorated on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception on December the 8th. And of course, Relevant Radio, the Chapel of the Proclamation, so beautiful. I'm going to actually post an image of that chapel and the incredibly beautiful mosaic of Our Lady of Guadalupe that's there. So check uh, my Twitter feed after the show. I'll put that up there. It's just gorgeous. And so the Immaculate Conception really plays into these double meanings of the word Guadalupe. She is who, who is without stain and she who crushes the stone serpent. 
the image of Our Lady that's on the tilma, she is stepping on the serpent in the form of a crescent moon. Now, in some Marian images, she's actually stepping on an actual snake, symbolic of the devil. Yeah, we we know that. But this is a little bit different. So we'll we'll talk about that in, in just a minute. But we know that she is the woman who was prophesied in the first gospel. Now, the first gospel is not the gospel of Matthew, the first one that appears in your New Testament. The first gospel is not the gospel of Mark, which was the first one that was actually written down. I'm talking about the first book in the Bible, the book of Genesis. As soon as Adam and Eve fall into sin, the original sin, God sets a plan into motion. It's his mercy. And here's the, in- the interesting thing. The prophecy that it's in Genesis chapter 3, starting with verse 15. Now, God has cursed the serpent after this, the Satan. And then we see in verse 15, he's talking to the devil here. He says, I will put enmity between you and and the woman between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head and you will strike at his heel. So it's very interesting. I will put enmity between you, the Satan, the devil, the great serpent, and the woman. Now, who is that woman? It can't be Eve because she is already, as we said on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, Eve was already kind of in league with the devil by partnering with him in sin, but not Mary. Mary is in total enmity with the devil. And so we believe that from the first moment of her existence, God protected Mary. She never was she touched by original sin, never did she commit any actual sins later on. So along with her divine son Jesus, Satan is crushed. And by the way, don't forget that Juan Diego, I mean he was going through some tough times. Um the illness of his uncle it looked like he was near death and, and Mary said, Don't worry about that. Uh, just leave it with me. I'm going to intercede. I'm going to take care of this. But she says, I am your mother. Am I not here who am your mother? So this is also an echo of the fact that Mary is our mother as well. And this is something that Jesus provided for us, for the church, for God's spiritual children in the church at the cross. He says to the apostle John, the beloved disciple, son, here is your mother. He says to Mary, woman, here is your son. So it's very interesting that all of these doctrines are revealed by Our Lady of Guadalupe, the fact that she's ever virgin, the fact that she's the mother of God, the fact that the Immaculate Conception is there, she who crushes the stone serpent, which is an image of the devil, she who's without stain, no sin touched her at any point. So this is incredible, and I think that uh, we'll see this as we go along. You're listening to The Kale Clark Show on relevant radio. Like I said, I really want to hear about your experiences at Guadalupe. If you had the chance to go there, I I was supposed to go there a few years ago. I was supposed to lead a pilgrimage group there, but we had to cancel the trip at the last minute because at the time there was a lot of violence that was breaking out against foreign nationals in Mexico city. And and it was just too dangerous to go at that time. Let's go to the phones right now. 888-914-9149. Take a call. This is Andrew in Fontana, California. Hi, Andrew. Hello, how are you? I listen to your show every day, sir. Oh, God bless you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you, Andrew. No, well, God bless you with all the multiple, multiple, multiple information you always give all the listeners. Oh, thank you. you Thanks you for listening in. A brain, a brain trust of, of Catholic Christian religion, and uh, I just love listening to your show every day on my way home from work. 
Oh, man, that, that's so encouraging. I, I really, really appreciate you calling in, Andrew, and taking the time to, to listen every day. Hey, let me ask you this. Have, have, you, had, have you had a chance to get to the Basilica in Guadalupe? Well, as a matter of fact, when my grandfather passed away real quick, uh, they asked 21 grandchildren who wants to live with grandma, and I was the only one that said yes. And, well, it was a blessing in disguise because my grandmother, as strong a Catholic that she was with her faith, she took me to Mexico on mission trips from our local church, the Guadalupe Church on Evergreen in Boyle Heights. And wow. we went in 71, 72, and 73. We took mission trips to Mexico with more than 20, 25 suitcases full of clothes and shoes to give to the needy. And in every town that we went to, we prayed the rosary on our knees from outside the church all the way to the altar. Wow, man, that, that is devotion right there. And, uh, um, yeah, it was quite the experience for me. I felt like a young missionary because I was only 11, 12, and 13 years old. But mm. the icing on the cake was absolutely going to uh, the Basilica of Our Lady of Guadalupe, the new church, and praying the rosary on her knees from outside the church all the way to the inside, but also the old church going up those stone steps. Oh, okay. My grandmother was 71 years old, 72, 73, and her knees by the end of our mission trip were bleeding. Oh, she did not want to be bandaged. Man. She didn't want to have any type of medical care. She was like, no, this is what God meant for me to do. And she didn't allow the church in L.A. to pay for our trip. She paid for the whole trip herself. And we went by bus, not by plane. Huh. From so it was L.A. A real... all the way to all these different places, including Chiapas, Talpa, San Juan de los Lagos, Cristo Rey. I mean, we were, we were everywhere. It, it, was, it was such an experience for me. And that really, really solidified and strengthened my Catholic Christian faith as a young kid. And uh, ever since then, uh, I've been more stronger in faith since my grandmother really taught me uh, so much about uh, the Catholic religion and what it means uh, to pray the rosary every day. Now, what a what a powerful example of faith, and, and we really need that. We, you know, as as my friend Cardinal Collins likes to say, the Catholic faith is more caught than it is taught. And it sounds like you caught a lot from her, and and also just the the fact of being on pilgrimage and maybe suffering a little bit. Yeah, you're not on a plane, you're not there in a brief amount of time. You got to get on the bus, got to ride the bus, walking up those stone steps on her knees. Well, that that's the kind of stuff that sticks with you for sure. And I and I really appreciate you calling in to tell us about that, Andrew, for listening to the program so faithfully. God bless you, and have a very happy and holy Advent. Please call back, okay? At Relevant Radio, it's your radio station has really opened up a lot of things for me and a lot of people that I know that listen to you every day. Oh, thank thank you for so much for saying that, Andrew. It's really just a blessing to be able to be here at Relevant Radio, and the fact that we have this opportunity to reach the world for Christ through the media. And this is really what Our Lady of Guadalupe, if you, obviously if you look at the relevant radio app, that's the image. It's uh, The image on our icon of our app is, of course, Our Lady of Guadalupe. Uh, we have a beautiful mosaic, as I said, of her in the Chapel of the Proclamation. It was just dedicated. And she really is interceding for us. I believe it. I know it. Uh, right here in America, but also all around the world. 
uh, just an incredible privilege and opportunity. And, and thank you so much for your words of encouragement, Andrew. Really appreciate you. God bless you. Okay, I know a lot of you guys want to get in on this as well. And uh, tell me about your thoughts on Our Lady of Guadalupe and how she's impacted your life. And we're going to be right back in just a moment after this break. You're listening to Kale Clark Show live on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. 888 explain it to others. It's the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Hey, welcome back to the program. You can give me a call right now. I want to hear about your experiences with Our Lady of Guadalupe, how she touched your life. Have you seen the Tilma with your own eyes? I have not yet, but God willing, one day I will. 888-914-9149 is the number to call toll-free to talk to me. Well, in just a moment, I'm going to be sharing with you some of the secret meanings of Our Lady's image. And in fact, uh, I'll go into everything from the images that are on uh, sort of the outfit that she's wearing, the dress that she's wearing, why is it the color that it is, some stuff that you might not have ever heard before. We'll get into that in just a moment. God is in the details here. That, that, that is no more true than when it comes to the miraculous image of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Let's go now to the phones so real quick before we do that. Let's go to Sylvia in Corpus Christi, Texas. Hi, Sylvia. Hi, Kel. Hey, <laughs> welcome, to, welcome to the Yes, I sure can. Welcome to the program. Thank you. It's my first time calling, and what a blessing to be able to get in contact with you guys on this day. Oh, That's I'm so great. glad. I love it. I love yes, it when we have first time callers. I'm a procession, and, and uh, it's wonderful. But um, my experience was maybe 12 years ago. Um, I went to Mexico City with my husband and his father, and mm. we visited the Basilica, and it was amazing that Our Lady, my, my Lady of Guadalupe, I have a, I brought home a large statue, human-sized statue. Wow. Um, from there, and I have stories about it, driving with her in the taxi and all, and it was just amazing. But I brought her here, got her blessed. She's up on a mantle in my living room right now. I decorate her for every season. But last year, I was able to take my son because when we went the first time, mm-hmm. uh, my son was arriving in a wreck. And my, my son, Joey, he was arriving in a wreck. And he called me from there when we arrived at the Basilica. And uh, I went into confession and I talked to the priest and he told me that my son would be fine. And for me, when he would return, for me to bring him back and present him to Our Lady of Guadalupe, and I said I would. Wow. It took 13 years, but I was able to do it last year. We went with his fiance, and he said, Mom, I never knew about this. And I go, yes, <laughs> son, we, I told you. He goes, but I guess he just, it never dawned on him that I was actually, the promise was for him. And so we went last year during this time, um, a week after her, her feast day, mm-hmm. and it was just, wonderful and now my son's getting married in january with his fiance and um she has been a blessing and uh and i'm about to start the procession here in corpus christi and i just want to say relevant radio has been is right there a blessing with her and thank you so much for all that you all do 
Oh, Sylvia, thank you. That is a beautiful story. And we'll certainly pray for that beautiful wedding that's coming up in January with your son. And you must have been, Sylvia, you must have been absolutely worried sick as a mom with your son. Now, at least you knew he was there. He called you. My boots are on the ground. I'm here, mom. But to have that priest say that he'll be okay, and I want you to bring him back here and present him to Our Lady. How did that, how did that, what was going through your mind when he said those words? I I just, I knew I would be back, and uh, it was such a, it was, it it was a peace. I felt peace, and I trusted in her as I have from the very beginning. We bought our our home when we moved, when my husband retired from Marine Corps. I I would always light a candle to her, and, uh, and I told my husband, you know, we find a home. It's all because of her. And I, I can't give her more honor and praise and all glory to my God, my father, for selecting her as our mother. And she is just, she's Our Lady of Guadalupe. She's wonderful. Wow. wow. That, what a testimony. What a testimony, Sylvia. I'm so happy that you called and shared that with us and our listeners. I'm sure they are absolutely touched by this, as am I. And Sylvia, God bless you, and, and may the pilgrimage uh, that you made be an inspiration and maybe many others to go there as well. And, and I pray the procession goes really well uh, tonight as well. So thank you so much for taking the time to call and share those words. That was Sylvia in Corpus Christi, Texas. Wow, that is amazing. And I think really what she must have experienced was maybe something a little bit like what Juan Diego experienced when, when Mary said, am I not here? Who am your mother? We, we have to make that really personal. And, and I remember... <laughs> It's kind of a, a funny story. As many of you know, we, if you've ever run into an evangelical friend, uh, very often they will, they'll ask people this question, do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? And that's a great question to ask. I mean, our faith really does have to be personal. And as Catholics, we don't usually talk like that. So maybe we're kind of at a loss for words when we hear that. But I remember once being at a conference at the Franciscan University of Steubenville, and I saw a, a gal with a T-shirt that said, do you know Mary as your personal mother? Well, that's that's part of the package because this is what Jesus wants for us. That's why he gave Mary as our mother at the foot of the cross. And this is exactly why Our Lady of Guadalupe appeared at that particular moment to really de- reveal her motherhood for us as well. And, that, and so we can really ask for her intercession today and make it very, very personal. Wow, what a great phone call from Sylvia. You can call in as well, 888 9149's Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Let's go to Michelle now in Rancho Cucamonga. Love saying that. Welcome, Michelle. Well, thank you, Kale. Thank you for uh, everything that you're doing. I have such a wonderful story. This was uh, maybe 13 years ago or so. I was um, without a job. I was looking for work, and I was at morning mass. And there, my church happened to have an image of Our Lady Guadalupe that was traveling. I, it was the Diocese of San Bernardino. And um, so it was a special image that was blessed, mm. you know. And so I went to the front. I was early for Mass, and I just felt like Our Lady wanted me to go real close to her image and ask her, you know, talk to her. I went up, and it felt like such an anointed moment. And I asked her about three things, special intentions in the the. The third one, where I said, and mother, you know, I don't know could, if it would work, if, it, if, I, if I could, could you please bring me down to see you in the, in the real one, in, you know, at your mm-hmm. basilica? Mm-hmm. And I, so do you know the day, not, the, not that day, but the day, two days later, 
my uncle called me on other bis- other unrelated things. And at the end of our conversation, he said, Bo, by the way, um, I'm going to be in Mexico City to visit Our Lady Guadalupe <laughs> on November 9th. You want, to, you want to meet me up? Want to meet up with me there? And I said, oh, my gosh, I would love to. I don't know if I can afford I can't. I don't have a job. I might, I might be hired. I've, you know, I'm interviewing for one. I don't know how that's going to work. Mm. I can't. I, I, but anyway, so I asked her, do you know the way it turned out? Long story short, I was able to go. And do you know that I got that job that I was in or that I was wow. thinking I might, that I was trying to get? And <laughs> get this, the training was right at that same time and they were they paid my way they had you know it was out, it was in Pennsylvania and so my trip back to California on my new job company training I they just dropped me off in in Mexico City instead of Southern California You're so I got there for free and all <laughs> I had to pay for was from there to my home in in uh, Southern California which was not very much <laughs> so she I brought love me it. there for free it was like a gift for her, and I must tell you that seeing her image in the real one, it it was. I've seen so many images, but that one, it, there's something special about. It. It's like it was. It felt so alive. It felt so alive and beautiful. Mm. So anyway, that's that's my um, my test my story. I just love that story because she, you know, ask her, ask her to come bring you you to her, you know? Oh, wow, that's 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 beautiful. Michelle, let me, let me ask you this, too, because I, I've never been there, but I'm, I'm told that there's some sort of a, it's almost like a conveyor belt, like at the airport, where, you, where it kind of uh-huh. brings you past the image. Is that That's the case, yes. right? Uh, yes, it is. It's like you've got, she's about, I don't know, maybe 10 feet up, and you're, so you're looking up, and uh, it's just like this, um, yeah, like, a, like at the airport, and it, but it moves slowly enough, that okay. you really feel like you, you know, it's not like whizzing by. Okay, You're going okay. slowly by <laughs> so that, no, you know, so that people like me don't hog her up to themselves. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. If they didn't have that, they're just, you'd never get to the front. I mean, it'd just be a massive amount of people just, just staying there, praying on their knees, no doubt. So it's pr- probably a wise move that, th- that they did it that way. And that was kind of my question. How fast does it move? Do you get a, a chance to get a great look at the Tilma? It appears that is the case. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. It's just beautiful. Yes. Okay. I, I love that. Hey, Michelle, thank you very much for calling in to share about that answered prayer and your, your chance to go down there to the Basilica. And uh, hey, pray for me that maybe I'll get to go there too one day. You're listening to the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Well, like I promised, the, the Tilma has an amazing, almost a catechism in and of itself. And, and I wanted to share with you some of the meanings of the symbols on Our Lady's dress, the way she looks, everything is set up very providentially. It's not by accident. The image of Our Lady is the way it is. And so uh, Philip Kosalski, uh, Kozlowski, oh, I totally messed that one up, uh, from uh, Alatea, he writes a lot of great pieces. He, he, he actually did a little um, essay on this not too long ago, and he talked about how when Our Lady appeared to Juan Diego and imprinted her image on his Tilma. And it's just amazing that this thing is made of cactus fibers. This is not supposed to last for very long. And the fact that it's still, it's from the 16th century, it's still intact today. As you might know, a bomb once exploded nearby, didn't didn't damage it. So many things have happened to the Tilma. And I think there's a lot of, I think there's a great uh, analog between the Shroud of Turin 
and of course the tilma of Our Lady of Guadalupe. I do think there's a it's it's kind of interesting that these are relics, these are artifacts that have been in touch uh, with Our Lord, Our Lady, and it really are so much a catechism in and of themselves. Now, I do think that that the shroud happens to be authentic. Some might disagree with that. I don't usually use it when I talk about the resurrection of Christ. You don't need it to prove the resurrection, but if it is in fact real, which I think it is, then we actually have a relic from our Lord's burial, his resurrection. How did the image get there? I think it's when his body kind of passed through the cloth, but I'll talk about that another time. But when it comes to the tilma of Our Lady, of course, when when she appeared, she did so in context. And her evangelization was really in the context of the local beliefs, the practices of the native peoples of what is now Mexico City. And so these, these symbols were very, very clear for the Aztecs, who she was and, and how much she loved them. And let's just think about, for example, her, her face and her hair. Now, if you have an image of Our Lady of Guadalupe handy, or you can maybe Google an image, you can check this out. And, and the way that she appears, it's different than the way Mary appears elsewhere. Because the first thing you notice, of course, is her complexion. She is a mestiza, and she's a combination of Mexican and Spanish heritage, that really kind of means that she's for everybody. She is for all people. And uh, I, I, to use a sports analogy, I remember uh, Tiger Woods used to call himself the Cablin Asian because he had uh, Caucasian heritage, also black heritage, Indian and Asian, his mom being Asian. So he called himself the Cablin Asian. He's kind of for everybody. He kind of had worldwide appeal. Well, Our Lady takes that, of course, to the nth degree. And so she's for everybody. She is the mother of all people. And when, when you look at the image, of course, her eyes are looking downwards. and it, It's kind of a humble look, and uh, she is, of course, extremely humble. i uh, read the Magnificat. And so her eyes are looking down. Why? Because she's indicating to the people that she's not a goddess. She is, of course, human, but she's the most exalted creature in the universe. Now, that, that, that gaze, too, the way that she looks, her eyes are full of motherly tenderness, compassion, and the way that her hair is depicted, it's kind of down, it's kind of loose. That indicates that she is a virgin maiden. What's interesting about her mantle, like if you look at her mantle, it's got that kind of rose-tinted shade. And there are four. There are a bunch of four-petaled flowers that are on her tunic. That actually, they're supposed to symbolize the earth and the four seasons, these four flowers. The fact that it is rose in color that represents the, the the dawn, and she really is the dawn of a new era, a new evangelization. And we'll talk about that in just a second. How, how the most effective evangelist in history, maybe even more so than Saint Paul. Apologies to Saint Paul. We're looking at his famous letter to the Romans, of course, on the Faith Explained show during these days at twelve thirty Central on Relevant Radio. Couldn't resist that plug, but but Our Lady's got you beat, Paul. I'm sorry. It's incredible. The, the number of conversions within just a few years of the appearance of Our Lady of Guadalupe, between 8 and 10 million uh, Native persons in Mexico City and its surrounding regions converted to Catholicism. And, and remember, the missionaries had zero success before that. Really, nothing was happening. She changed everything. I also think it's intriguing that this happened in the 16th century, at the same time that the faith was being torn apart in Europe because of the Protestant Revolution. Uh, don't forget Martin Luther nailing the 95 theses to the door of the castle church in Wittenberg 
1517, well, just a few years later, in the New World, Mary appears in this incredible revival, uh, this incredible evangelization of the Catholic faith. Begins. I, I just think it's fascinating, the, the juxtaposition of this. But at any rate, uh, going back to, to her mantle there, of course, she's wearing over top of it this bluish turquoise cloak, and there are stars upon it. And, and of course, this is really the image of the heavens. Royalty, blue is a royal color, and also the stars represent the heavens. She is from heaven. Uh, th- this woman has come from heaven. What about the ribbon? This is, this is something that's puzzled a lot of people. There is a ribbon around her belly, a black ribbon. That is uh, what would indicate to the local populace that a woman was pregnant. And so she's even, some even suggest in studying the image that just looking at her belly, that she's almost, you know, she's ready to give birth, ready to give birth to our Lord. And, and her hands are obviously folded in prayer. And she is praying. Again, This is she's not a goddess. Uh, we Catholics do not worship Mary, despite the fact there's so many caricatures of the Catholic faith out there. She is praying to her God and our God, her divine Son, Jesus Christ, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Her knee is slightly bent. That, again, is a posture of prayer. And then there's this, she's wearing, yeah, she's wearing a little bit of jewelry. She's got a little bit of bling. Our Lady of Guadalupe, there's this circle medallion that's around her neck. I don't know if you've really looked at this closely. It's engraved with a cross. And this obviously is an image that she is completely dedicated to our Lord. Be it done unto me according to your words. What she said, the Annunciation, and that's the way she was for her whole life. And then behind her, of course, the rays of the sun. The Aztecs had a sun god. So that she's eclipsing the false sun god amazing the moon the moon she stands upon the moon again this aztec moon god this this stone serpent that was worshiped really an analog with the devil she's greater than this demonic moon god she is greater than the night the darkness the spiritual darkness and then underneath the image underneath the uh, the moon what's what's holding her up as it were is this angel. And this, this angel, it was believed that, that the angels, the Aztecs, of course, committed all these atrocities, these human sacrifices, and they thought that angels would take their sacrifices to their gods. But, as Philip explains, that this lady, she really is, the she's making herself a sacrifice to God. She, and this is what, why the angel is there, sort of presenting this, presenting her. To the Father, and, and He's lifting her up on His shoulders. Only royalty, only their their leaders, their rulers, were ever lifted up on people's shoulders and carried about. So this shows how that she is a queen. That she is a queen in the court of the heavens. And then, of course, the eagle's wings. This this angel has wings very very akin to those of an eagle. And we know how how important the eagle is uh, in Mexico. And and any of you listening right now with Mexican heritage, you know this. So, so all of this is incredibly powerful. It's such a contextualized uh, presentation of the gospel and who she is. And people got it right away. As soon as the image uh, was, was being venerated and people come to see it, they, they, the people were converting on the spot. And this is exactly, by the way, it's very biblical too. What, what does it say in Revelation chapter 12? 
a great portent, a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was with child, just like Our Lady of Guadalupe, and she cried out in her pangs of birth in anguish for delivery. So, so this is really a catechism, this, this image that taught the peoples of Mexico a lot of truths. And it's just so, so much we can, we can contemplate. And, and we haven't even touched upon what was seen in Our Lady's eyes. And we'll, we'll have to get into that later. We've got to take a break right now on the Kale Clark Show, 888-914-9149. If you want to call in, it's the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And we will be right back. This is the Kale Clark Show, giving you the confidence you need to bring the faith into everyday life. Hey, welcome back to the Kale Clark Show, 888-914-9149. It's a number to call to talk to me for free. It's the feast day of Our Lady of Guadalupe. We talked about just before the break some of the secret hidden meanings uh, in her image, and it's really a, a catechism for the people. Powerful stuff. If you want to share about your experiences with Our Lady of Guadalupe, 888-914-9149. Okay, like I promised off the top two, I did want to take a couple minutes just to get a little bit practical because a lot of you guys out there are starting to experience a lot of stress. These are joyful days of Advent leading up to, of course, the great feast of Christmas, the birth of our Lord, but they can also be pretty stressful for a lot of different reasons. You're trying to deck the halls. You're trying to decorate. You're maybe trying to cook for family and friends and thinking about presents. You're worried about your budget. Just be careful about the stress that can occur, not only on your body, but also in your mind as well. And so how do we deal with all of this? Well, I think one of the, one of the things we have to do is we have to realize what is causing some of this physiologically, how your body actually handles stress and what you can do about it. I don't think there's any coincidence that people tend to get sick at this time of year. And it's not just because there's a lot going around or a lot of viruses going around, but I think also just we're a little bit run down and maybe our immune systems aren't, aren't up to speed. And if you want to look at a definition of stress, now stress can be a good thing. It can have some positive effects as well. But really, stress in general is any type of perceived threat, positive or negative, or some sort of a demand. And the way that your body reacts to it, it can have short-term effects. It it can also have some really negative long-term effects because, let's face it, there there is a connection between our bodies, our our minds, our bodies, our brains. Your brain is part of your body, after all. And, And we know that uh, we are, are not souls trapped in bodies. God created the human person to be embodied. And in fact, he thought so highly of this that he's going to resurrect our bodies on the last day. And, and hopefully they'll be in a lot better shape than we will be after a lot of Christmas parties. So we got to be careful of that. we got to be careful of that. Avoid excess. So a lot of people out there, maybe you've experienced this, um, high anxiety. That, that can, I, I can be anxious from time to time. I, I, I experience a lot of anxiety in my own life, and that is often worse for a lot of people during the holiday season. And there can be physiological changes that happen. Stress hormones like cortisol are released, epinephrine. And there are these sort of, you know, physicians call them neurological pathways. There are these reactions that can happen at the biochemical level. 
and things like a pounding heart. You've all experienced this. Your heart starts pounding. Your breathing starts to get very shallow and rapid. You're, you're, you get tense. You maybe start to sweat. Your, your stomach becomes upset. And for some people, even a fa- family gathering can, can tip that off, especially if there's been sort of bad dealings in the family and people are, are angry with one another. Uh, office Christmas parties. Hey, the relevant radio party is coming up. I don't know what's going to happen, but... Um, no, it's always a peaceful and joyous event. It's always, and I, I do mean that. I'm not kidding. It's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful time. I can't wait. But for a lot of people, it's super stressful, right? You, you, relating with your colleagues in a social setting, that can be tough for, for many of you. So the way that, that our bodies kind of work, we have a fight or flight response to stress. And maybe, you know, in times past, we were trying to run away from saber-toothed tigers, Um not the beasts that we work with in the office, but but it, it, these things are, are kind of kind of wired into us in many ways, and, and they can be tipped off by a lot of the the modern day stressors, packed shopping malls, uh, the awkward gift exchanges. How's my budget looking? And you can be irritable, you can be anxious, and all kinds of things can can take place. So let, let's just talk a little bit about one, one thing in particular, which is cortisol. This is a hormone that's released in response to stress in your body. And again, it's supposed to provide what you need to face the challenge, and blood sugar levels get released as well when, when you when you're, have a perceived threat. Fight or flight. Well, if you're going to fight, then you need some energy. If you're going to flee, you also need some energy. That's where the blood sugars come in. But, but after that, insulin is pumped back into your body to try to bring the blood sugars back down to normal. But sometimes that, that doesn't always work so well. Your, your signaling process can become impaired. If you're constantly under stress or you find yourself in stressful situations all the time, you can become resistant to it. And, and there are metabolic consequences. Insulin resistance, blood sugar imbalances, it can cause you to gain weight, especially in your belly. Not that this has ever happened to me. Um, I, no, it, it's I, I, I don't have a six-pack. I've got the keg, and that's a, that's a problem. We've got to work on that. And, of course, these holiday uh, parties that we have, these Christmas parties and gatherings, got to be really, really disciplined. Some people, when they're stressed, they turn to emotional eating. Uh, that can be worse at this time of year. So what are some things that you can do to cope? Just really quickly, recognize what your personal triggers are. So... Find some balance here. So one of the things that you can do is overextend yourself. You can accept every single invite to every single gathering that's out there, and you just are wiped. So, so just be cognizant. You've got to give yourself a little bit of, um, of uh, margin there. Give, your chance, give yourself a little bit of, of time to rest. You only have so much energy. You don't have to find the perfect present for everybody. Just You can take the pressure down a little bit. Um, be really careful about going beyond your budget for food, uh, for gifts, for travel, shopping. That can really affect you, especially in January when you get that credit card bill that can impact your long-term plan as you're trying to be a good steward. Be very careful with excessive drinking, overeating. Um, worry about your expectations. A lot of us have high expectations. for trying to have the perfect Christmas. And if something goes wrong, it really upsets the apple cart. Um, just try, 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 just to take take every day as it comes. And as Jesus says, "Hey, don't worry about tomorrow. Today's got enough problems of its own." Listen to your body, and this is this is a spiritual thing to do because God 
wants us. We're composites of body and soul, and God wants us to take care of our bodies. So make sure you get enough sleep. Um, talk to your doctor about it. Um, if you're experiencing some of this stuff, like a racing heart, uh, difficulty sleeping, exhaustion, and you can't get regular life activities done, that, that's, a, that's a problem. You're grinding your teeth at night. So I think I think trying to pray is really really important uh, during Advent. That that is a big stress reliever. Prayer and it's no doctor will ever say that unless your doctor is a Catholic doctor and they're pretty open about talking about that with you. If they know you're Catholic, they might say, "Hey, one of the best things you can do is go and pray. Spend some time before the Blessed Sacrament and take the time to understand this is about Christ and and He's the only one who's perfect here." So. And of course, Our Lady, he's uh, preserved her from sin too, but, but things are, there's going to be some things that go wrong. That's okay. Just try to, try to take it in stride, and, and hopefully there's a little practical tips that we can say about this as well. You're listening to The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888-914-9149. Hey, I want to remind you about a couple of things. Uh, You've got to sign up to relevantradio.com slash carols. Because we're sending out emails about popular Christmas carols and some really cool performances of those carols by three amazing choirs. You're going to want to get in on this. Today's is about one of my favorite Christmas hymns, In the Bleak Midwinter, which I I really, really love this tune. And uh, you can find out about that. Go to RelevantRadio.com and you can sign up RelevantRadio.com slash carols. And uh, also christmaswithscrooge.com. That, that's the name of the website, right, Producer Jim? For the Merry Beggars. Check that out. Kids of all ages will love the Christmas Carol presentation, of course, by the Merry Beggars. And it's uh, just awesome. So don't get scrooged. Don't miss out on that. It is really super powerful. And then tomorrow, by the way, on, on The Faith Explained, I'm going to be sharing with you one of the most powerful stories I have ever heard. And you just have to tune in. I can't wait for you to experience this 1230 Central on Relevant Radio. We've been looking at St. Paul's letter to the Romans, and one of the most famous verses in the Bible, maybe the second most famous verse outside of John 3.16, the famous bedsheet banner verse at football games, is Romans 8.28. We know that in all things God works for the good with those who love him. What does that really mean? It's been oft misunderstood. But I'll also share a story, uh, an incredible escape from a communist prison into the shores of America that you're going to need to grab the tissues here because you, you might, you might, it might get a little dusty. Let's put it that way. It's, it's a powerful story. I don't want to spoil it. I just want to say tune in tomorrow at 1230 Central for The Faith Explained. And don't forget, please keep it locked here to relevant radio all night long. Tim Marie's coming up next on Trending and the Family Rosary Across America with Father Rocky. Don't miss it. And last night, they had they had an incredible live rosary along with Drew Mariani. Father was there at the Shrine of Christ's Passion in Indiana, just across the border from Illinois. I've been there before with Father. If you want a great place, you can even go there today on the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. They have a magnificent tribute to Guadalupe there. There's a beautiful statue, outdoor statue of Our Lady of Guadalupe in Juan Diego. Uh, just wowed by Our Lady of Guadalupe. It's so well done. It's so well done. And again, I'll try to post a picture of that as well 
uh, on my x.com feed uh, later this evening. It, it is not to be missed. I, I highly encourage you guys to go there. And many of you did uh, go to pray the rosary on a, on a pretty chilly night with Father and, of course, with Drew Mariani as well. And I know there's a great time. And so the Shrine of Christ's Passion, uh, they've been so supportive to us here at Relevant Radio, and we thank them for their incredible evangelistic efforts. And I want to thank everybody else who, uh, who called in today, who listened to the program. So many encouraging stories about Our Lady of Guadalupe. And keep emailing me. I'd love to hear them more. My address is kale at relevantradio.com. If there's something you want to hear on the show, a question that you want answered, I'm your guy. I'll try to make it happen. Until next time, I'm Kale Clark, Jim Shaper produced. Patrick A. Electric, your phone calls. Take it away, Michaela. Thank you for listening to my daddy.